Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Proverbs, the third chapter, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path. Our Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You that we can trust our lives to His provisions. We thank You, dear Father God, that we are what Your Word says we are. We thank you that we can do what your word said we can do. And we can do all things through Christ. And we are the righteousness of God in Christ. We stand before you holy and blameless, without spot, without blemish, because you've recreated us in Christ Jesus. And your workmanship is a perfect workmanship. So, Father, as we receive this word into our hearts, we do so by the Spirit of our God, that we might walk in the light of your word and be doers. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, notice this. Trust the Lord with all your heart. This is called divine guidance. Divine guidance or direction. Everybody needs divine guidance or direction in their lives. This is a conditional promise based on the condition that we trust Him with our heart. Based on the condition that we don't lean on our head, our understanding. Based on the condition that we acknowledge Him in all our ways. And then He said He'll do what? He'll direct your path. He will direct your path. There's no such thing as the Father not directing your way. He knows what you're walking in the world that lies in darkness. He knows that you have an adversary that's ever endeavoring to get you off your course of faith and get you off into the left or to the right so that he can cause shipwreck in your journey of faith. But bless God, the Apostle Paul made it all the way through to the other side. He said, I've finished my course. I've fought the good fight of faith. And, and now I, I know that I've kept the faith. And now I know there's a... A crown of righteousness, crown of righteousness laid up for me in glory. And I'm about to depart and just take it all because I've done my job. I've done what God wants me to do. And you know, I'm not trying to do anything but what God told me to do. I'm just going to do what the Father has asked me to do. Look at Psalm 32. I, I stand corrected. I had some scriptures to give to you last week or last Sunday night. And for some reason, I got my scriptures a little bit out of place. So I'm going to give to you another scripture concerning guidance and direction in the book of Psalms. I gave you the Psalm 25, 1 through 14, and I said Psalm 37, but I meant Psalm 32. Psalm 32. I knew there was something wrong when I gave it, but I want you to see Psalm 32, verses 7 through 11. Thou art my hiding place. I could stop right there and we can have a party. Thou art my hiding place. I mean... You know, did you ever play hide-and-go-seek? You find yourself a good hiding place and said, nobody's going to find me here? I'll tell you something. You can, you can get yourself so cuddled up in the bosom of the Father, the devil won't find you. He can't find you when you're in that glory. He has no way to get in. What a hiding place. Okay? Look what it said. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. We said that the saints are not pickled, but they're preserved. They're preserved from trouble. Amen? Isn't that right? We are preserved from trouble. Amen. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. And I know about you right now, but the Father's singing songs about me. He's covering me with songs of deliverance. He's singing around me. The Father's seeking. Now I know what He was seeking those that worship Him in spirit and truth for. So He can sing songs of deliverance around them. Can you imagine with the Father singing songs of deliverance around you? That old maniac can't even get in. That's right. To destroy your life. He can't do it. Let's go on and see. Now, notice, notice what, what the psalmist here, David, says, Selah. Now, that means stop and think about that. Stop and think about it or meditate on that. Meditate on this fact that God's your hiding place. He'll preserve you from trouble and He'll compass you about with songs of deliverance. Now, stop and think about that. That's your Father God. Amen. Okay. And then he goes on to say, I will instruct you and teach you in the way. See, there's a way of righteousness. There's a way of truth. There's a way of life and there's a way of death. But say it with me. My Father will instruct me and teach me in the way I should go. He will guide me with His eye in the way I should go. Boy, what a, you could just... It's so tender. It's so tender. 
You can hear him whisper by his spirit as he actually says it to you. You are my child. As you stay in my hiding place, the secret place of the Most High, I will instruct you. I'll teach you in the way. I will guide you in the way that you should go so that you don't even stumble and so that you don't get into trouble. That's your Heavenly Father speaking to you right there. David was speaking in the first six verses, seven verses, but in verse 8, the Lord began to take over. And he says, I can't stand it any longer. He said, David, I'm going to instruct you. I'm going to teach you. I'm going to show you my way. I'll guide you with my own eye. Man, the eyes of the Lord are running to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on somebody's behalf. Lord, here I am. I'm the one. I mean, you know, if you're looking for somebody, I'm, I'm, I'm available right here. Show me the way you want me to go in. Direct my every path. And he said, he'll do it. Okay, let's go on. Be not as the horse or as the mule, which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with the bit and bridle. Now, remember that right there. Don't be like the horse or don't be like the mule. But remember that we need to keep our, you know, words proper before the Lord. That's very important that you realize that. That's part of your guidance. Lest they come near unto thee. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he that trusteth. There's, a part, there's that word again. Trust the Lord with all your heart. But he that trusteth in the Lord, mercy shall compass him about. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous, and shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. So there we have another psalm of guidance and direction for the person that's in the secret place of the Most High. Okay? Now let's go back to Matthew's Gospel because that's where we were. That's where we left off. Matthew, thir Matthew 3, verse 15. How many of you know that we're to, we're to follow after Jesus? How many of you know that we are to walk as He walked? If there ever was a New Testament example, I have to say Jesus stands above all the rest. Wouldn't you say that? Jesus is my example. Jesus should be your example. We thank the Lord for the Apostle Paul and his, his life and ministry. We thank the Lord for the Apostle John and Peter and those that walked close to our Lord that gave us a good example to follow. But I don't think we could follow anybody that could compare to following the Master Himself because He's the one that went all the way for us. Amen? He did it all. Now notice here, and let's just read from verse 13. Let's start from there. Jesus is our, is our example. And then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. Okay, we stop right there to bring out this point concerning guidance and direction. If we're going to follow the footsteps of Jesus, the believer must make his first consecration to fulfill all righteousness. All righteousness. Not just being born again, but being born again, being spirit-filled, speaking with other tongues, and believing in divine healing, and all the things that's been provided for us through righteousness. Amen? Well, not just part of it. We want all of it. All righteousness. Being baptized in water. Here Jesus got baptized in water and, and humbled himself to his, his uh, cousin John. And John knew and said, look, I, you know, you want me to baptize you, but I have need to be baptized of thee. But Jesus said, just allow it to go right now and just let it be done right now because I want to fulfill all righteousness and that's why I've come. That should be your consecration. That's your dedication. I'm going to show you what that has to do with guidance. Don't you remember over there in the 23rd Psalm? Where in verse 3 where it said, He leads me in the path of righteousness for His namesake. He leads me in the path of righteousness. That's where your leading comes from. That's where your guidance and direction comes from. It's the same thing that Peter said over there in 1 Peter 2.24 when he said... He made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. That we, that, um, I mean, he himself took our sins on his own tree, his body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto what? Live unto what? See, we use that last part of the verse and sometimes we skip out, you know, skip that part of that verse that says we should live unto righteousness. Now, the believer is to live unto righteousness. He is going to lead you in the path of righteousness. The believer is to live unto righteousness and then with his stripes we are healed or we were healed. But now notice Jesus said something else about that also in, in Matthew 6, 33. He said, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His what? All the things and the necessities of life will be added to us if we seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness. So the believer then should be pursuing the righteousness of God, studying the righteousness of God, 
Living the righteousness of God. Living under righteousness. Living under all right standing with God. That should be our goal. That should be our, our desire as a believer is to fulfill all righteousness. All that Jesus has done for me. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. Well, all that that stands for and all that that means, I should be pursuing to fulfill all of it. That's what Jesus set out to do. That's my, that's my guide for my own life. I should set my goal to fulfill all righteousness. All right standing with God. Everything that's in right standing with God, I want to fulfill. Amen? Okay. And he said, what would he do? He would lead you in the path of righteousness. Remember we talked about the pathway of our life? Now, what did Proverbs 12, 28 say? In the path of the righteous is life. And in the pathway there, thereof, there is no one. So we then are to be pursuing the path of righteousness. And you don't just get these things and stop. Well, I've been, you know, spirit-filled. I speak with other tongues and that's, that's good enough for me. That's not it. We are to pursue righteousness every day of our life. He'll lead you and guide you along the pathway of righteousness. And that's where we get acquainted with the Holy Ghost. See, some people just want to get their needs met and, and get before God. What should I do with this? And what should I do with that? And what should I do? And just the common everyday occurrences of life. But he's saying to you today is this. You seek me. You seek my righteousness. You'll get acquainted with my spirit. He'll lead you and guide you in the pathway of righteousness. And all the other things that you're concerned about and, and, and you know, seem to be talking about and wanting to get information on, the Holy Ghost will witness that to you. It's secondary. See, that's secondary. But the primary thing is he's going to lead you in the pathway of righteousness. Amen? Okay, now look at here. Jesus set out to do it. And then we go on down and we read what, what the Father said about him. Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. And lo, the heavens were open unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And, a, and lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So the Father spoke out concerning Jesus. And said, I'm well pleased with him because he has set out to do all righteousness. Now, I don't know about you, but I want, my, I want my father to look at me and say, that's my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. That's my beloved daughter in whom I'm well pleased. She has decided to feel, feel all righteousness in her life. And I'm well pleased with that. Amen. Don't you want to be well pleasing in the sight of your father? Amen. Don't you want to be precious and valuable in, in the sight of your father in every day of your life? Now, don't you remember how to do that? We talked about it in Colossians 1.9. Where, uh, in the Amplified Version, in both, both versions, King James also, where it says that we should be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom. Wisdom is comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God and understanding, spiritual understanding, that we might walk worthy of the Lord unto what? All pleasing. See, Jesus pleased the Father because He pursued righteousness. All righteousness. Everything that he would do would be based on his right standing with the Father. Everything that you'll do and accomplish is based on the fact that you become the righteousness of God in Christ. And that's where your direction comes from. Okay. Uh, before we go further, I want this is a very important thing. Put your bookmarker there, your Bible bookmarker there, and look at Luke 2, 52. We don't want to get ahead of God. What we want to do is, is follow him. We don't want to get ahead of the leader, do we? We want to follow him. Let him lead the way. He is our forerunner. And we are to follow him. We're not to get ahead of him. And you, know, you say, what are you talking about? I'm talking about uh, Christians that get on fire for God. They're zealous for God. They want to get out there and start doing something right away. And it's nothing wrong with that. It's nothing wrong with uh, wanting to do something for God. But don't get out beyond your wisdom. Don't get out beyond the ability that you are uh, appropriating in your life at this time. And I'm going to show you why. In Luke 2.52, look what it says here. This is concerning Jesus. And we're to follow His footsteps. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing that the Lord Jesus Himself, before He went out into His public ministry, increased... He was only 12 years old here. He increased in wisdom and in learning, understanding. That's what we're talking about. And also in stature and in favor. Remember, that's another one of those promises in Proverbs 3. Is it not? Favor and good understanding in the sight of who? God and man. Jesus did that. 
Jesus increased in wisdom, learning that is, understanding, light, whatever you want to call it, also in stature, also in favor with God and in, with man. How do you increase in favor with God? I thought God was not a respecter of persons. No, that's not what it's saying. It's not saying that, you know, he's going to respect you or be a respecter of persons. But it does say this in, in uh, 2 Peter 1, 2. Grace and peace is multiplied under the person. That's you or me. Through the knowledge of God and through Jesus, of Jesus our Lord. The more knowledge I obtain, the more spiritual insight I obtain, the more wisdom I obtain in God's word, then God is able to do more for me and more for you. The more I learn about his ways and purposes, the more his ability becomes mine. The more I learn how he thinks and how he acts in every circumstance of life, I can act and think the same way and bless God, then it's seemingly God is able to do more for me. He's not able to do anything for us beyond his word. And as long as we get into the word and learn about him and learn about Jesus, then it'll be multiplied unto us. Not added, but multiplied. So God's grace, that's unmerited favor. Or willingness to move on our behalf is multiplied in our life as we gain knowledge, that's revelation knowledge, of God the Father and Jesus our Lord. Now go back to the Matthew 3. So you can see right now we said step number one concerning guidance and direction was to learn the Word of God. Because guidance comes primarily through the Word. Isn't that what we said? Through God's Holy Word. He's already spoken to us concerning most things that we need to know about life. And it's all in the Word of God. So we could actually then put down a step number one for guidance would, would be fulfilled in 2 Timothy 2.15. Just write that down as, a, as in step number one. And 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing God's holy word of truth. Rightly dividing it. And as you study God's Word, you, you'll be surprised and amazed how the Spirit of God will just open up the Scriptures to you and lead you and guide you and fill you up with your Father's wisdom so that you can, you know, walk in the pathway of life without any harm. As a matter of fact, wisdom said, speaking in Proverbs 131, If you'll hearken unto me, you will dwell safely and be quiet from fear of evil. Think about that. Living a life of safety, quiet from the fear of evil. And my pathway is life and there is no death. No evil can befall me, no plague come nigh my dwelling. And in, in the pathway of the righteous is life and there is no death. There shall no evil happen unto the righteous. Those that are uncompromisingly righteous. Those that are established in righteousness. So that's what he's saying here. Step number two is our dedication or consecration to fulfill all righteousness. That means I don't care what God has said in his word Concerning your life, you are willing to obey and pursue it. You know, the life of faith is the life of obedience. The life of faith is the life of obedience. As a matter of fact, I, I like to say it like this. Faith demands obedience to the Word of God. Faith demands obedience to the Word of God. Faith does. But sense knowledge demands o o obedience to the sense realm. Sense realm. So faith is, is where he demands obedience to God's word. God's holy word. But in the realm of the senses, it demands obedience to the things of the senses. What we hear, what we think. And that's why God's saying, don't go by what you think. Study my word to find out what I said. Show yourself approved unto me. Don't lean on your own understanding, sense, knowledge. Walk by faith, obedient to what I said about you in my word. And that's what we, we're going to see, how, how Satan was defeated by Jesus because he did that very thing. So as you consecrate yourself to fulfill all righteousness, I'd like to really stop right here and get into all these things and explain every one, but I can't. I don't have the time. Being born again, being spirit-filled, speaking with other tongues. I'll touch these things lightly, speaking with other tongues especially, because it seems like that's a stumbling block. In the body of Christ. Also, walking by faith healing. That also seems to be a stumbling block to many that are in the, what we call the faith movement. They don't understand it. But we're going to have understanding as we keep our ears open to the Holy Spirit. Let's, before we go any further, read right through here. Verse, chapter one, uh, 4, verses 1 through 12. Now, this I want you to mark as Satan's dealing with Jesus... 
after his consecration to fulfill all righteousness. Because if you've made this consecration to fulfill all righteousness, and you're going to be led in the pathway of righteousness, you are going to have an adversary to stand against you. You need two things. You need to have light in God's Word so you can understand God's ways and purposes. That's number one. A lot of people are defeated because they just don't know God's ways. They get the surface of it, but they don't get down deep and dig deep to find out how faith works, how God's program or word system works. But then number two, you need to know how to stand against the wiles of the devil. We need to be familiar with our enemy. The Bible says we're not to be uh, ignorant concerning the devices of Satan, are we? So if anybody stood against Satan victoriously, it was the Lord Jesus Christ. He annihilated the devil in his, in his own domain. Amen? Amen? We talked about that last Sunday. How many of you are blessed by the fact that he's annihilated? Man, if you took a look at that old fellow that's trying to put us in bondage, as Brother Mark said back there in, in office, he said, he said, uh, if you took a look at that old guy that's all defeated and trying to hold you in bondage, you'd say, you mean that ugly thing over there kept me in bondage? You mean that whip, defeated, paralyzed, annihilated devil held me in bondage? You mean that old nut down there trying to put sickness on me and I let him? See? You'd say, oh man. That's like a little, little old little old boy trying to beat up a big old man. Amen? I mean, Jesus defeated him, didn't he? Amen. Well, that's what the Word says. Well, is he defeated? That's right. Hallelujah, then he's defeated. Look at how he did it, and you'll find out how you can do it also. Amen? But note this. When you do make your consecration, you will have an enemy out there to attack you. So you might as well just know it right now. Okay? Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came to him and said, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up into a holy city, and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple, and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee. And in their hands they shall bear thee up, but lest at any time thou dash foot against a stone. And Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And he saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if you will fall down and worship me. And uh, then Jesus saith unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, it, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him alone shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Then the devil leaveth him. Resist the devil and he'll what? And behold, angels came and ministered unto him. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Okay, now let's go back there. And I want, to, I want you to write down some of these important things to note. I've heard this taught, you know, before, and I've taught it before. And, but the Spirit of God, it seems like as you just continue to study these things, just gives you more and more and more. There's so much, so much we can learn from these passages of Scripture. It's endless because our Father is endless and His knowledge is endless. Amen? He's omniscient. Okay, now let's, let's look at some things. In verse 17, notice this of chapter 3. Notice this. And write this down as number one. Important things to notice about these passages of Scripture. Other than the fact that Jesus already consecrated himself to fulfill all righteousness, the first thing we find out is what God said about it. What God said about it. Jesus said something here. Now, God said, God said, Thou art my beloved Son, and I'm well pleased in you. Okay? So, God said something. Okay? After God said something, notice in these portions of Scripture, Satan said something. Didn't he? Did he say something? So God said, number two, Satan said, and number three, Jesus said. God said, Satan said, Jesus said. God said, you are my beloved son. Now listen, you've got you to follow this closely. God said, if, I mean, God said, you are my beloved son. Satan said, if you be the son. God said, you are my son. I'm well pleased in you. Satan said, if you be the son of God. Did you notice that? Then, Satan said again, if 
you be the Son of God. Notice that Satan is challenging the word spoken by the Almighty God Himself. What audacity! Who does he think he is? I mean, the creator of all the universe stood there, if he stands or whatever. However he does it, I don't know. I went up there. But I mean, can you imagine sitting on his throne and saying, Thou art my... It was so loud it shook all the region round about him. It was audible. I don't know how far away he is, but I'll tell you what, that's a loud voice. Thou art my beloved son... I am pleased with you. And this maniac comes along and says, If thou be the Son of God. So Satan's not only challenging your righteousness or your right standing with the Father, he challenged Jesus' righteousness. Can you imagine that? He challenged Jesus' standing with the Father after an audible voice came. And he's going to do it in three rounds, not just one. Three. He's going to try to do it in the physical realm. He's going to try to do it in the mental realm. And if he can, he'll try to do it in the spiritual realm. I mean that. Someone says, well, the devil didn't leave the first time I told him. That's because you only went through one realm. You felt the pain in your body and your body said you're sick. And you stood there and says, by his stripes I'm healed. He said, but the pain didn't leave. That's because the devil then went to your head and tried to talk you out of saying that you are healed when your body says you're sick. And so instead of leaning on your own head, lean on what your heart says, and my heart says I'm healed. And as long as you keep continue to hold fast your confession of faith, and the devil gets done with his bag of tricks, he's going to leave you alone. But if he can get you to waver and faint in your mind, then he's going to put that thing on you. You understand what I'm saying? So now notice he challenges Jesus in all three realms. First, in the physical realm. And let's look at it again. We, we went about over this last time, but we'll reiterate very quickly and then we'll go on. Because what I want you to see is God said something, Satan said something, but Jesus had to agree with one of the two. Jesus had to agree with one of the two. Okay? Now let's see what he says. In verse 3, the tempter came to him and said, If you be the Son of God. If you be the Son of God. Now, who said he was the Son of God? And Satan said, If you be. Notice he, he drops that little bit of doubt in there. If you be the Son of God. Do something in the physical realm that will prove it. Well, if you're healed, why don't you just go ahead and prove it? By seeing if there's any pain in your body. Well, if you're healed, why don't you go and prove it? By seeing if that lump left. Now, you need to hear with attentive ears what I'm saying. Because right now we could get into the faith message very quickly. But notice he's even trying this with Jesus. If you are the Son of God, prove it in the physical realm. Notice Jesus immediately responds in harmony with what God said. Man shall not live... By bread alone. And at this time, it was the, probably the weakest point in Jesus' physical makeup because he was hungry. Forty days without eating. I mean, that was his weakest point, And that's where he hit him first. Hunger. Okay? And here, Jesus says, it is written. It is written. What God said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth. Out of the mouth of God. Every word that's continuing out of God's mouth. Now notice what God said about him. Jesus didn't even challenge whether or not he was the son of God. He just says, I am living by what God said. And God said, I am his son and he's well pleased in me. That settles the issue right there. I am what God said I am. That's what he was saying. I am what God said. And I'm not going to live by bread alone. I live by every word proceeded from the mouth of God Himself. And God said that I am His beloved Son. That's what He was inferring to the devil. Now notice that in this first temptation in the physical realm, He was trying to sever that relationship or at least trying to get Jesus to doubt His relationship with the Father. Okay? We don't need physical proof. And that's why I say when you start to get into the walk of faith deeply, you will not need physical proof. 
You won't need to see something happen in the physical realm to believe that you are healed or delivered. You won't need to see anything in the, by the physical senses to believe that your need is met, even though you don't have any money. You won't need any physical evidence. Jesus did not need physical proof. All he needed was a word from God. And God said, God said, If he can make you feel unworthy before the Father God, he will hold your faith in bondage. Your faith will be in prison. You'll be useless in the body of Christ. If you feel like a beggar and a worm in, in front of the presence of the Father God, you'll, you won't be any good to Him. You won't be able to do anything for Him. And that's His number one trick, is to try to keep you in sin consciousness through the physical realm or through the mental realm. To keep you like as though, well, you've made a mistake today. And He keeps, I mean, badgering you with this, this fact that you made a mistake today. And it seems like you just want to shrink in the presence of God. But listen, listen to what Jesus is saying here. My relationship with God the Father is not based on anything in this physical realm. It's based on what He said. What did God say about you and me? I'll share with you what He said. 2 Corinthians 6, 16-18 He tells us, Don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for you are the temple of the living God. As God had said, as God had said, I will dwell in them, I will walk in them, I will be their God, they shall be my people. Wherefore, separate yourself from among them and come out from them. And he says, I will be a father unto you and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Saith the Lord. That means you are the sons and daughters of God. And in 1 John 3, 2, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. My relationship with him has got nothing to do with any mistake I ever made in this life. It's got something to do with what he said. And he said, I'm a son. So devil, you might as well just pack your bags and get the rolling. Because bless God, I am, his, I am his beloved son. Just like you are his beloved sons and daughters. Amen? Is that what God said? Amen. Well, I, you know, bless God, I'm going to walk by what God said. Not by what you know, my head wants to say. Okay. And he said to him, cast thyself down for it is written. This is very important. Remember, this Bible could have been filled with a lot of other things. Remember John said in his gospel, if all the things that were done by Jesus were written, that were written, were put into a book, the world could not contain the books. You know what that tells you and me? All the incidents that are chosen to be examples to us were handpicked by the Spirit of God so that we could know exactly what to do in every circumstance of life. And here, when this devil comes to you, he, Jesus is telling you like this. He's going to come at you in the physical realm and any weak point you have in the physical realm to get you to doubt your relationship. Then He's going to come to you in the mental realm using scriptures. He's going to distort them to get you to think wrong. Now look at what it said here. It is written, the devil is purposely quoting a scripture so he can distort Jesus' thinking. And what he's doing, he's taking the scripture out of its setting and he's distorting its true meaning. He's putting a wrong motivation. See, people that want God to do something to prove something, that's a wrong motive and intent of the heart. Someone says, you believe in healing? Well, if you'll heal me, then I'll believe it. And a lot of times, you know, sometimes even in God's mercy, he'll do that. But the majority of the time, that person is asking for a wrong motive and intent. Now, notice what the devil does here. He says, it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest at any time you should dash your foot against a stone. In other words, well, God also said this. Well, if you want to go by what God said, he says, I'll give you something God said. God said that if you were to fall down, the angels would have charge over you, and you're the one, you're the elect, you're his son. If you are his son, just jump off this here, you know, temple here and he says and they'll catch you they'll bear you up on their hands so you don't even dash your foot against a stone and he tries to divert your attention away from the question if you be the son of God well why do I got to jump because God already said I am the son of God God has already spoken out of heaven out of glory and said I am his beloved son I don't got to prove that scripture to be true that scripture is true regardless of anything that happens but now what the devil is going to do, you see, he's going to come to your door and try to distort your, your image and distort your understanding of the Scriptures. Now let me give you a quick example as to how he tries to do that to stop your pursuit of righteousness. You want to fulfill all righteousness. See, some got born again 
and stopped right there. They didn't go on to the infilling of the Holy Ghost. How many of you, at, for a while, let's say attended a church or a fellowship that did not believe in being filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking with other tongues? Slip up your hand if you did. Okay? All right. How many of you had this thought implanted into your mind, an image of this thought, that tongues have ceased and vanished away? Did you, were you taught that? If you were taught that, just slip it up. If you were taught that. Okay? See, some, a lot of you were taught that. Okay? How many of you thought that or we're taught that it was okay, but it wasn't for us today. Put up your hand if you thought if, you, if you're taught that. Okay, a lot of these things. This is the devil's attempt to take scripture and to give a wrong interpretation of this scripture, even to people that are in positions of authority where they're preaching the gospel, to distort their thinking, so as to stop that those other people from pursuing righteousness. How many of you that were not filled? Once you heard that it was God's will that you be filled with the Holy Ghost, once you heard that you should be speaking with other tongues, once you heard that and realized that it was true in the Word of God, how many of you then went on and got filled with the Holy Ghost to speak with other tongues? Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? How many of you knew that if you heard that way back when, at the beginning, then you would have got it way back when? How many of you knew that? So in other words, the devil then was attempting to stop it in your life altogether, but because you heard the truth, the truth set you free and you got what you knew was yours. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Okay. Let me show you how he does that with some of these scriptures. I'm going to show you some famous scriptures that the devil uses, just to give you an example, so that you can be led on the right pathway. Romans 8.28 is, is a famous scripture. Hold your place there, because we're going to go back. Romans 8.28. This is one of his famous scriptures. All right, and it, this is what he does. Here you are, you're reading along through this book of, uh, of Romans and you're just being blessed out of your boots. I mean, you know, you're just on fire, glory be to God, and you're reading, you're a young Christian, and I mean, you're, you know, you're just uh, on fire. I mean, you're, all, you're just overzealous and just, you know, wanting to do everything for God. All of a sudden, someone comes along and, and reads to you, or says to you, you may have never read this scripture, a tragedy took place and happened, Someone, you know, got hurt in a car wreck or this happened or someone uh, broke a leg or whatever. Something took place and something tragic happened. And someone might have even taught this to you from the pulpit. Well, you know, brothers and sisters, all things work together for good. And they stop right there. And you go back and say, Oh, I've never heard that said before. And it sounds so religious. Oh, don't worry. You know there's good in this. You tell that to the fellow that's screaming on the ground. You tell that that person that's in that car wreck, you know, I, I mean, practically mangled, he's got to be rushed to the hospital. You tell them, brother, you talk about comfort, all things work together for good. God has designed this for your good. You just hold fast, don't die so he can come to pass. Now that makes a bunch, that doesn't make any sense, does it? That is the dumbest thing I ever heard. But when someone first said that scripture to me, I said, you can't believe that. And they said, oh, I that's exactly what it means. I said, read the scripture. Let's read it. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. That works together for the good to them. That that guy loved God, you can't tell me that that was working together for his good. Can you? No way. That wasn't working together for his good. And that is taken out of its setting. It's not even, you know, interpreted right. It's supposed to talk about all that's said in this chapter. Being born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, groaning and travailing and praying by, in other tongues and allowing the Spirit of God to work through you, praying the perfect will of the Father. Those things work together for good to, in your life so that you can be conformed to the image of Jesus. That's what that's talking about. Not, there's no car wreck or any accident in there at all. Do you see any in there? I don't see any in there. Do you? But the devil has isolated that scripture. He has uh, perverted the thinking of even teachers and, and, and you know, Bible teachers and theologians. And, and they come with a stupid doctrine that all things work together for good. And really, I don't have time to get into it, but it's, it's a misconception of scripture. That's exactly what the devil was trying to do to Jesus. That scripture does not mean that. Let me give you another scripture. Isaiah 55. These are some of my famous scriptures. <laughs> I love these scriptures. Because, you know, when I was young and growing up, I almost was deceived by the same things. I said, you know, we've got to learn the ways and the thoughts of God. And some old teacher, some, I mean, you know, really intelligent teacher, said to me, well, you can't know God's ways. And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, God's ways are not your ways. 
And God's thoughts are not your thoughts. God's ways and thoughts are way above your ways. And you're trying to say, here I am teaching to you, you know, the ways and purposes of God. I'm teaching you how to walk in the pathway of life so that you can know which way to go, right? We're supposed to be learning the, the, the ways of the Lord and He's going to lead you in the pathway of righteousness. But this guy's telling me you can't know His ways and you can't know His thoughts, okay? Now let's find out where the Scripture lies and show you where they missed it. I love them. I mean, I just got to show them where they missed it. And I hope that they're, you know, humble enough to receive it. Isaiah 55th chapter, verse 8. God speaking. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. And they take that scripture, they isolate it, and say, See, didn't I tell you? But then you stop and say, But sir, did you read verse 6 and 7? Did you read that? Well, uh, I don't know. This has been tradition. It's been handed down through the ages. Well, how old are you? Did you learn anything yet? Look at what it says in verse 6 and 7. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. How many of you have sought the Lord? How many of you found him? How many call upon him while he was near? Okay. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. How many of you here are wicked and unrighteous? None. Okay. And let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. For my ways are not your, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, unrighteous person. And neither are my ways the ways of wickedness, saith the Lord. That's what he's saying. But look what he goes on to say. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, for are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts and your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down uh, and the snow from heaven and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth and shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish what I please and prosper where the thing and where I send it. Now what he's saying is that the wicked man and, and his thoughts and his ways are not the ways of the Lord. So seek the Lord, find the Lord, get into the word and you'll find his ways and his thoughts. Amen. Amen. Did not Jesus say, I am the way? Amen. So you see, the devil puts this in into people's minds he perverts the meaning of scriptures and they walk and live by this and they walk around saying this, I just can't know God's ways nor his thoughts. I don't know why these tragedies happen to me and the devil right around the corner is putting more tragedy and more tragedy and more tragedy and more tragedy. But the Bible says in the pathway of life there is no death. There shall no evil happen to the righteous. See? Okay, look at another scripture. Uh, second, uh, First Corinthians, second chapter. Here's what I'm, this is what I want you to understand. This is what I want to bring out to you. And then we're going to go on in this study. We're going to get off. I'd like to teach all I could about guidance, but we won't have time to get into all this. There's so much to teach. We could teach till Jesus comes on each subject probably. Second chapter, just to give your attention to some of these scriptures, including the one that talks about speaking with other tongues. Okay, second chapter, verse 9. But as it is written... Now they're quoting Scripture again. I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love Him. And they'll begin to expound and say, See, beloved, we live in a world of darkness and we can't know God's ways nor can we know His thoughts. And we know that we've never heard uh, the things and we never have seen the things and it's never entered into our heart the things that God has prepared for us. And all things we know work together for good, no matter how tragic it might seem to be. But we know that someday in the sweet by and by, we're going to find, you know, our peace and quiet and happiness when we get off into the glory land. And you try to say, please read verse 10. Please read verse 10. You mean there's a verse 10 after 9? Yes. Glory be to God. But God has revealed them unto us. Hallelujah to Jesus. I heard someone preaching like that and I kept saying, please read verse 10. I heard him preaching this. Well, I'm telling you, there in verse 9. I said, please read verse 10. But you see, the devil does that. He distorts the true meaning of Scripture. But it says right there, God revealed them unto us by His Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, the deep things of God. Let's go on. For what man knoweth the things of man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now you've received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that you might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Hallelujah. Boy, I wish they would have read the rest of the chapter, don't you? Amen? Okay, so we're not in the dark. Go to chapter 13 and we'll, we'll, close, we'll just finish this part with this one scripture. This one, they try to keep me out of speaking with other tongues. 
But I was very sly. You got to realize when I was, you know, when I first got saved, I was tricky too. Because I wouldn't ask this fellow about speaking with other tongues after I already got it. See, I had the Holy Ghost guidance <laughs> into this, and I asked this fellow because I got baptized. I would, I, I didn't know who. Remember, I told you how anxious I was to get baptized. How many remember that? I jumped in that iceberg because I just wanted to get baptized in water. Well, I didn't even ask this guy if he was spirit-filled. I knew he was born again, you know. But I didn't even know if he was spirit-filled. At least I pray he was born again. But and I went over to, and I said, uh, I want to get baptized. I said, well, you baptized me. And I was like just a little baby. And I, he said, yeah. And I didn't care whether he spoke in tongues or not. I, I just wanted to get baptized in water, you know. And so I did. I got baptized in water. And, and, I, and after it was all over, and I started talking to him afterward because we started a fellowship at that church. I said, what do you think about this being filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking with other tongues business? He says, well, it's very clear. The Bible teaches you that tongues have ceased. They passed away. And I said, oh? I said, where did you, you find that out? I said, where did you learn that? So I just want to know what other people learn. Because I've already been speaking another tongue, see, and I've been filled with the Holy Ghost. I just want to find out what he, what he believed. So I just, you know, I'm not going to, I'm going to fellowship where like precious faith is. Not that I have anything against that person. I just, uh, I want to go on with God. I want to grow in the things of God. And if you're going to pursue all righteousness, you're going to go to where you can get all righteousness. Okay? In other words, I don't want to stay a baby. I want to grow up in the Christ. Okay? Now here's the scripture he pointed out to me. Look at verse 8. Charity never faileth. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. He said, see, the Bible is perfect. That which is in part has been done away. So tongues have ceased. And I said, sir, I'd just like to draw your attention to the fact then, if the Bible was being referred to, to here as that which is perfect is come, I said, then are you saying to me then the things that were in part have ceased? He said, yes. That's what that's saying. I said, would you please, please read verse 9? For we know in part and we prophesy in part. And look at the last part of verse 10. Then that which is in part is done away. I said, then knowledge... And prophesying has vanished away. He says, well, our knowledge hasn't vanished away. I says, but you just said that the things that are in part have vanished away. Is, has knowledge vanished away? No. Has prophesying vanished away? Oh, yes. Would you please read verse, chapter 14, verse 1? Follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may what? God is confused. Isn't he? I said, oh, he's confused. He didn't know that the Bible was going to come, did he? He forgot all about that. But right after he said that, he told us all to prophesy. I think we better straighten him out, don't you? I think we better straighten out him or we better straighten out this fellow. God's not confused. I said, see, the things that are in part have not vanished, not vanished away unless knowledge has and We know knowledge hasn't. So if knowledge hasn't, and he told us to prophesy, so prophecy hasn't, that stands the reason that neither have tongues. Isn't that right? But you see, the devil has taken one little scripture, perverted it into the minds of people's thinking, and they think wrong, so they believe wrong, and they speak wrong, and they never grow up into Christ just to stop them from pursuing all righteousness. And it's a sad thing to say, but many have fallen into that and they lost out you know what God had for them let's go back to Matthew we're done with our side journey amen but we learn things on a side journeys don't we and they're good for us now Jesus said Jesus came to him and said it is written look at verse 7 it is written again thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God in other words You've taken a scripture out of its setting and you're telling me to act on that scripture with your motive, motivation or your intent of heart. Remember James said, you have not because you ask not. You ask and receive not because you ask amiss. The word amiss means with the wrong intention or the wrong motive of your heart. So you don't take a scripture and use it with a wrong intention like the devil tried to get him to do it. And so he said, it is written, you're not going to tempt the Lord thy God. 
First of all, he had the right to stand there before Satan and say, Satan, I am your God, and you're tempting me with evil, and thou shalt not tempt the Lord your God. He proved to be his God, didn't he? Amen. Okay? But still, he's using the, 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 the word. And again, remember, it is written. How did Jesus handle the devil so far? Did he have to go somewhere to get deliverance? Did he have to have somebody go lay hands on him somewhere? I'm not saying these things are not for us. I'm just saying that once you begin to grow up like Christ did, you're going to stand against the devil by the words of your mouth. By the written word of God. It's time to grow up into Christ. And it's time to stand against the devil with the word. It is written, Satan. It is written. You're not going to tempt the Lord your God. And of course, he put him to flight. Notice the two times he came to them, it was trying to come against his right standing with God. Now look at the last temptation. This is devastating. This will prove to you that Satan was attempting to get Jesus to sever his relationship with the Father. It'll prove it to you. All right? Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world. This is in the spirit world. This is a spiritual temptation in the spirit. And the glory of them and saith unto him. Notice what Satan said. God only said one thing. Satan keeps his mouth going. How many of you noticed that? How many of you notice he got a big mouth? He don't shut up, does he? Keeps his mouth going. God says one thing and it rings throughout all history. All eternity, those words will ring, I am he that liveth and was dead, behold, I'm alive forevermore. He won't say him again. He says him once, that's it. God said it, that's it. He spoke it, that's it. The devil keeps on nagging and nagging and nagging and nagging and nagging. Okay? Here's what he says. He says unto him, all these things will I give thee if you will fall down and worship me. You say, how is that attacking his relationship? Because he's telling him right there, if you'll bow down and worship me. See, that was his intention. His intention was to get Jesus to bow and worship him in all three of these temptations. Now he comes out with it. And he gives him the highest temptation he could muster up. The glory of all the kingdoms. All that was delivered over to him because of Adam's fall, he's showing Jesus in the twinkling of an eye. He says, all these glorious things will I give to you if you will bow down. His intention was to get Jesus to side up with him. Did you see that? Okay, and Jesus says, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. I'm going to say a hard thing, but I want you to hear it. I want you to chew on it. When the devil can get us saying what he said about us is true, it's like bowing to him. It's like bowing to him and siding up with him. God said, Satan said, Jesus said, get the hint, Satan, get behind me. Jesus never once agreed to what Satan said. But when Satan attacks your body, what do you say? He's going to attack your body and say, you are sick. What are you going to say? Are you going to bow to him? Are you going to side up with him and agree with him? What did God say? Go back to the scriptures. What did God say about my body? Himself took my infirmities and bore my sicknesses, and with his stripes you were healed. You were healed. That's what God says about it. You know, God's not going to say anything more about your body other than the fact that he laid on Jesus all our sicknesses and diseases. So when that thing attacks your body, what are you going to say? God said, Jesus said, what are you going to say? Don't lean on your own thinking. Don't lean on your own understanding. You won't be guided into health and healing that way. You'll be guided right into lining up with the devil. When he says, seems like, you know, you can't pay your bills. When he says, look, you're going you're to lose your car. You're going to lose your home. That's what he says. What do you say? I'm going to say what God said. God said he supply all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And my father's not poor. He's rich. That's what I'm saying. You say, but what if? No what ifs about it. That's what I'm saying. You say, but what if it looks like we don't walk by looks or sights, do we? The senses demand that we walk by sight. The senses demand that we walk by sight. That's a walk in the darkness. But faith demands we walk by the Word. And the Word said, God said. Okay? All right, now that's how we handle the devil. And unless we learn how to do this in every facet of life, you'll be bowing to that maniac. You'll be bowing your knee to him. I don't even want to think about doing that to you. 
I mean, when pain is racking your body. I mean, when you fill up with the worst that you can possibly feel, and you are so tempted to say, oh, I feel horrible or ugly and I'm sick, don't say it. Don't dare give him the privilege of having you bow to his level. Stand there in the face of the enemy and the adversary and say, bless God, I don't care what I feel like. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it seems like. I don't walk by sight. I walk by faith. And God said, I am healed. I am. Amen. And I mean, hold fast to your confession of faith and he'll flee just like he did here. He will flee from you. And look at what happened. You think God doesn't know how devastating this fight is? You think God doesn't know and is not in touch with the infirmities, with the feeling of our infirmities? You think God does not know just what kind of a faith walk this is? Look what happened in verse 11. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and actually ministered unto him. There's something else I need to point out. Jesus spent 40 days and nights in preparation for this maniac. And he did. Did he not? This guy's crazy. The devil's crazy. You might as well say it right now. The devil's crazy. He'll try to destroy you every way he can. He'll try to get you to think his thoughts and to act like he does and, and do his way. And, and He'll put thoughts that'll just distort your whole mind if you let him do it. But no. Jesus just kept on saying, it's written. It's written. It's written. See? Don't walk by sense, knowledge, evidence. I wish we can get off into that right now. But I want, I want to show you that if you're going to be led in the pathway of righteousness... You've got to be guided by the Holy Spirit. You've got to take the Word and put it in your heart. And you've got to know how the adversary is endeavoring to come against you and what ways he's going to use the physical realm, the mental realm, and the spiritual realm so that you can agree with his Word, not agree with God's Word. How can two walk together except they be agreed? You're walking with God? Well, that's the path you're following then. You're following Him. You're walking with Him, are you not? You're going to walk with Him by walking in His Word. And you'll find out that there's going to come a time that when you think you need to go somewhere to get delivered, you think you need to go here and have sense, knowledge, evidence of the fact that you're healed, it's not going to happen that way. You're going to have to find out in the Word of God where it teaches you that by stripes you were healed. No matter what the need might be, you're going to find out what God's Word said about it and stand your ground against the devil. Amen? Amen. Well, let me give you one more thing and then we'll have to close. Go to 1 John 5.18 and we'll have to close with this. We've done it again. We've utilized all our time and I'm not near done. Not, not near done. <clears throat> Here we go. You'll love it. Because we're going to close it on, on guidance and we'll go see some other things. We'll get into healing in a greater dimension. First on 5.18. If you want to be guided by the Lord, make this absolute consecration Make this decision, quality decision in your life that you will walk in God's love until it drips from your words, it drips from your presence, that you will walk in love, period. I won't speak a word against anybody. I won't say anything. I'm going to walk in God's perfect love. Okay, look at this. We know, that's pretty, pretty positive to me, that whosoever is born of God sinneth not. But he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that keepeth himself is keeping himself in the love of God. This whole epistle is written about love, okay? John's epistle of love. Keepeth himself, that is, in the love of God, and that wicked one doesn't even touch him. You're going to have to stand against, stand, use the word, take God's word, act on his word, whenever he attacks. But if you'll follow the love walk, which is God's way of victory, it's love. Wisdom is born out of love. Success is born out of wisdom. That's where our victory lies. If you will purpose in your heart to walk in absolute love, then Satan can't even touch you. Now, does that sound like tragedies and car wrecks and all these things are coming from God? No. God won't, God won't, even, he won't even touch. Satan will not even touch the person that begins to drip in love. Your words are just soaked in love. Everything, your actions are just soaked in love. Everything that, that comes out of you is just the perfume of God's love. And the wicked one can't even touch you. So now we know that we, need to, we have an enemy in our path. We know that he's coming to attack us. We know that all we've got to do to the enemy is quote the word. Stand up just to act on God's word that says it is written. And continue to walk in love. If you'll stay in love, you stay in the light. If you're staying in the light, you have a shining light upon your path. 
if you take one step out of love, you step into darkness. If you're in the darkness, you're out where the wicked one can touch you. But when you stay in love, you are in the secret place. You are in the hiding place of your heavenly Father. He'll teach you there. He'll guide you. Now listen to me. When you're out of love and in darkness, you can't be taught. You can't be instructed. There is no light in darkness. You're out of the way. But when you're in God's love, I mean, His revelation begins to pour. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.